You're in a Fenestration Conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Well, hi, everyone. It's Pat Flannery. Today, I had a great conversation with Professor Falguni Mukopadye from the University of Victoria. Uh, he is a building science professor there who recently uh, won ASTM's uh, Professor of the Year for his work with thermal testing. And uh, we had a really interesting uh, sciencey discussion about his uh, work out there. Um, he's doing uh, some neat things with uh, thermal testing, with uh, thermal modeling, uh, also looking at embodied carbon. Um, and we got into, uh, I guess, the weeds a little bit about uh, about the standards and the science around some of these things and um, what the uh, implications are for uh, the future of how we look at uh, thermal transmission through facades and building envelopes and uh, what kind of design things we might need to keep in mind as we uh, build these products uh, going forward with uh, higher energy efficiency standards and uh, and new embodied carbon standards that are going to be uh, coming up, I think, in a lot of the standards. So uh, please enjoy my conversation with uh, Professor Falguni from the University of Victoria. Okay, folks, I am here with Professor Falguni. Uh, from the University of Victoria. Hi, Professor. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much for invite for this invitation. Yeah, it's 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 great to have you on. Um, the the way we came to this was uh, I had a, a, a an announcement come through uh, recently that uh, you had uh, been named uh, ASTM's uh, Person of the Year or something like that uh, for uh, for some work that you were doing on thermal modeling, and uh, I saw that some of that touched on uh, on building science and uh, and thought hey here's a great opportunity for mainly me to learn something more about uh, about thermal modeling because uh, I'm uh, pretty much a, a novice in all of this uh, probably a lot of our listeners uh, professor will know more uh, than uh, than I do uh, but uh, you know there's 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 a lot of people that uh, also haven't uh, haven't touched this very much but may have to soon uh, with the way that things are going with uh, energy codes and uh, and some of the uh, the different tiered approaches that are coming through these days. So let's let's start off I guess first of all with uh, you uh, just giving us a little introduction of, uh, of yourself and your your work there at the university. Uh, just a little bit of myself I did my doctoral studies uh, at the University of Victoria sorry University of Sheffield in UK and then I moved to National Research Council Canada in 1999. And then I spent nearly 16 years. Then in 2015, I moved to University of Victoria to be a professor in the Department of Civil Engineering. Uh, Civil Engineering. So my association with ASTM goes long back. You know, it was in 2000 or 2001. I first attended a ASTM task group meetings, and I primarily work in the, uh, the committee which is called C16, which is thermal insulation. So, uh, and uh, I work on basically thermal uh, heat, air, and mass transfer through building materials and systems. So, uh, my research, uh, many of my research has led to the development of new standard or modification of the existing standard. Um, 
the um, initially we started you know like uh, all um, industries they started with the material okay so uh, building industry at the beginning were very much focused to it measuring the uh, say heat transfer through the building materials okay then uh, we realized that uh, material definitely plays a very very major role but is the system performance okay uh, so when you system performance that also has got different level you know, you can say that, you know, a wall is a system, okay? But then it becomes the whole big building becomes a system, okay? Mm -hmm. So there is different scale of the systems. So um, we probably have done very well in measure, measuring the material and the wall systems. But when it comes, when you put all these things together, you know, wall, windows, you know, uh, roofs, everything you put together, the whole building systems, that I think something we are still working on it. Okay, there are two issues. One, you can measure very well. You know, if you do it in the lab, you know, many things we can do it in the lab. But now there is a necessity to take that lab to the field so that we can measure what is the real performance of the building. Okay, so uh, th that is one thrust I'm working on. Another thrust is also. Particularly for the insulation, you know, insulation is the probably the most important component if when you look at the materials in terms of energy efficiency of the building and bluffs, you know. So that is a very important component. Uh, but insulation materials, we are we are going through like all other industries, we are also going going through that greening effort, okay, to reduce the environmental impact which comes from the insulation itself. Though we know insulation saves a lot of energy, but at the same time, during the production. Okay, we also have got uh, uh, embodied energy with the insulation. Okay, so there are lots of efforts are going on now to um, develop new types of insulation, which not only more environment friendly, that means low embodied energy goes into that. And also it is highly efficient compared to the existing insulation materials. Okay, so we are trying to combine both performance and um, environmental. Uh, friendliness, you know, the, we want to optimize those things. So this has opened up a huge research area where people, uh, the, the researchers are developing new insulation materials in the lab and they need quick evaluation. Sometimes those materials are not produced in the lab in a bulk quantity, like one feet by one feet or two feet by two feet. They develop a very small piece of material in the lab. Yeah. And um, as you know, insulation, you know, if you look at, say, for glass fiber, uh, it's a good insulation material, but it is not the uh, thermal resistance of the glass fiber itself. When you put the things together, you know, fibers woven, you know, and uh, we don't have always the right technique to measure very small component, um, small product which is developed in the lab. So that was something lagging. So in the ASTM, uh, you know, many, a couple of years ago, I worked with a graduate student, you know, and graduate student finished the thesis. And um, we showed that you can actually measure those small specimens using the existing apparatus. You know, in this case, it's a heat flow meter. So um, that was successful. Then many people actually followed that one, but we didn't have a standard for that. Okay. So um, um, then, you know, with the request from industry and other stakeholder, I took that initiative to develop a new task group in the under ASTM C16, and we developed a, a new standard. I think it is in the final stage of publication now. 
or approval process. So um, we went through a couple of rounds, you know, and these standards are consensus-based consensus standards. And um, so uh, anybody can actually, you know, it's not only academics or industry, anybody can put some comments, even equipment manufacturers. Okay. So we try to address all of them as much as we can. Uh, eventually, I think we, we did a uh, pretty good job doing that. So um, these are new techniques of thermal measurements which are coming up. And also coming back to my first uh, point, which I said, the measurement of the whole building. Okay, uh, you, you can see that, you know, the 80% of the building, which is currently, uh, egg, uh, say, which will be there in after 25 years, they're already built. Okay, and some of the buildings will be 50, 70 years old, and they are not built according to the current uh, building standard, uh, energy code standard. So these buildings need to be refurbished. Okay, they should be made more uh, uh, energy efficient. But, you know, it is not easy to always find out what is the cause of um, uh, 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 the energy inefficiency in the building, okay? So we need to have some rapid technologies which can uh, measure the what is the true energy efficiency of the building? What, what is the true scope for building innovation? In many cases, you know, traditional method is the inspection. Okay, you do physical inspection, you go through the drawings, details and everything, but that is still, you know, in terms of uh, subjective matter, and that's not always the real performance. Okay, and it's a tedious and time consuming process. So in the last couple of years, you know, uh, working with the industry, we took the advantage of measuring it through uh, infrared thermography. You know, you, you might have heard about it, you know, infrared thermography, they produce nice pictures and it is now being used in many fields, you know, particularly with the advent of drone, where you can mount it on a drone, you can actually get a good temperature profile and which can qualitatively identify uh, the various deficiency. And that is basically just finding the, what is the temperature differential, you know, the uh, anomaly in the temperature distribution, what you get there, okay? But, you know, that does not always, that gives you a rough idea what it needs to be done. But as you know, there, those temperature anomalies could be for various reasons. So we still need technical skill to find it out. Okay. And some of the things, anomalies exist because that is how the construction is. So how do we prioritize huh, uh, those uh, that this one I'm going to fix? Uh, uh, so for that reason, uh, we need quantitative. Okay the mm -hmm. uh, use of thermography. Now, at this moment, it's mostly qualitative. You know, you see, the, oh, well, there's a deficiency there. We have to address it. So uh, we came out, but there was no tool available, you know, that uh, we engineers, as you know, that we need numbers. We need one value. Huh? We can, so we can compare one to another. So we came up with some index, which is called infrared index. Okay. So we can really take a measurement, uh, uh, infrared thermography measurement from outside of the building, uh, and we can easily find out what is the indoor temperature. Uh, and from there, we can come up with an index, uh, which can help you to compare, starting with one wall to another wall, right? Uh, right. So then eventually you can sum up them up and come up comparing one building to another building. And in a true sense, you know, you know, the what is the thermal resistance of a, wall system. Uh, in a lab, you get a single value because that is the steady state condition. Okay, everything is controlled. But when you go to the field, many things changes. 
Yeah. Say in a very windy day, there will be wind washing okay, of the heat. Yeah. So that day, it will have a different thermal resistance. It can get a splash of rain, okay, which can make it moist. That, that will have another R value. So R value or thermal resistance value of your wall, though in a lab, it is constant, but in the field, it keeps on changing, okay? So we can find out all these things using infrared thermography and we can, and it is still in the nascent stage, in its early stage, but we have shown through the our research publications, you know, we are developing a website now, so where this tool can be used uh, very easily. Yeah. So we are using it for our own research purpose at this moment. Our industry partner is helping us a lot on this one. Uh, but eventually we have to, uh, we have done the field study, but that is based on a test hut. That means a small house built on the university campus. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but we want to do more studies, you know, so that we get repeatability. We have already seen the repeatability on that house, you know, doing measurements in various days. We saw that um, relative performance of all the four walls, you know, because those walls were all different, you know, different characteristics. We got it pretty impressive result. They are 100% consistent results they give, okay? But we need to do more studies on the uh, larger buildings in different climatic conditions. So that is going on at this moment. And um, another thing also we are working on it is uh, another weak point of the building is uh, building envelope is the thermal bridge. No. Yeah. Thermal bridge is basically a shortcut huh, for heat loss. And we don't have very reliable method how to measure it. Okay, We have got theoretical method, but not um, uh, in the uh, lab and all these things. Okay, So we are working with, a, again, another industry partners, you know, the, who are strongly involved. You know, these partners are involved in developing those um, thermal bridge guidelines. Okay, uh, So uh, th those results are all developed through numerical simulations, but we are developing some techniques, how to measure it, how to analyze those results. I think th because as the buildings are getting more insulated, we are using more insul uh, energy efficient windows, doors, and uh, the weak point is becoming now thermal bridges. Okay. Uh, so adding more insulation uh, probably doesn't make much sense because our building code gives a good direction on that one. And now I think we have to tackle this two issues which I'm working on. One, what is the true field performance? Another is how to uh, measure and reduce the heat loss through the thermal bridges, okay? Yeah. That's probably the first starting point for our discussion. Yeah, and the, and there's there's a ton there to discuss for sure. So, so basically what we have in place now in the standards is, um, if I'm not mistaken, are, are basically prescriptive type of, uh, of of descriptions saying these are the materials you have to use, and and these are these are standards perhaps that the individual components have to hit. But what you're, if, if I'm correct, what your endpoint is looking towards is someday you're gonna you're gonna point a, an IR camera at the at the facade. You're gonna identify. Uh, uh, what the, uh, I don't know, some, you have to generate some kind of average or use your index to identify just how, how heat leaky it is, how, how much thermal resistance there is. And then this is going to conform to, uh, it's going to have to conform to a standard uh, that uh, I guess will be written at some point in the future. Would that, is, is that is that accurately where we're trying to go with that, this? That, that's absolutely correct. What we are trying to do is that um, now all the measurements are based on the laboratory measurements. We want to measure in the on the field, and we'll be using infrared thermography for that. 
and um, uh, eventually, you know, uh, before you go to the standard, we have to do more research on that one. And then eventually we will develop a standard how to use infrared thermography for quantitative analysis of building uh, envelopes, uh, system and components performance. And um, that can be used you know, to make the decision on that, uh, which building needs to be retrofitted, which wall needs to be retrofitted. At this moment, building retrofit simply be based on the what is the physical or drawing board calculations or physical inspection or drawing board calculations and or just looking at the age of the building or how much energy is being used by the buildings okay mm -hmm. so these are the things but these are not really absolute uh, uh, performance measurements okay so we have to really look into the um, what is the happening in the field okay yeah for sure, and and you know, I know that um, I know that a lot of uh, my, our listeners here would uh, would would really appreciate having something that was uh, that that was simpler and 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 more accurate to be able to use. And, and another thing they'd appreciate that you had talked about uh, earlier was um, the ability to test smaller samples, uh, even on the components. Um, so so it, it, describe to me a little bit about about how you arrived at the conclusion that that would be okay. Whereas for a long time in this industry, there's been the assumption that if you tested a certain size, that's got to be the size. And if you want to change sizes to any great degree, you're going to have to make you're, you're going to have to retest essentially. Right. Um, um, or, or, or it was very difficult to scale things up. Can, can you describe for me how you arrived at, at, at some of the idea that maybe we'd be able to test smaller sizes and arrive at accurate results? Yeah, this, this method is basically for in the cases where you cannot get bigger specimens. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the way we did is that sometime uh, we first calibrated this method. Uh, there is a need to calibrate your measurements. Okay, we calibrated the method uh, by using the known products. Okay, so we have got known products which we tested in small scale. Then, uh, of course, small scale and big scale, the results will be different. Okay, but we corrected those things based on what we got from the known products. Okay, and uh, and unknown products, you know. Uh, they may have a different thermal conductivity or something like that, but we always calibrated it to a material which has got similar density. Okay, so that helps us, you know, that you are not going too much out of the range. Okay, we are not saying you to use this method for the uh, anything to promote your product or uh, try to do quality control in the manufacturing plant. That is all full scale. Okay, but this is. When you are developing a product in the laboratory, you want to get a quick idea what what range you are getting. Okay, mm -hmm. so um, we are never saying that using it for quality control or uh, using it for uh, uh, the reporting to the standards uh, or codes. No, that you have to really do full scale. So we are not contradicting the existing um, uh, trend or knowledge base, but there is a gap there. You know that people who are working in the lab, they approached us, you know, how could you do that using this uh, existing method? So you showed them that, yes, you can practice it in this way. Yeah. So basically this is a standard practice, how to use the existing method to develop very, very small specimens, okay? Mm -hmm. And just to scale up, um, how, much, uh, how much variation 
did you see when you when you scaled up uh, uh, from 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 the small test? Was it, uh, it? Do we see a day in the future where it might become accepted that you know you could you could you could have a range of variants, but uh, but but the standard might accept. And I mean, this is again future standard writing. But I mean, I mean, you might be able to accept um, something uh, a, a, a smaller test scaled up to something larger. Um, Patrick. I would love to say you yes to everything, but the real life is that uh, there are far too many parameters involved in thermal measurements. Okay, yeah. so um, starting from the equipment, then the material, then also the person who is doing the test. Okay, and what what are the test conditions? So these are the four things I can immediately think about it. Okay, and uh, how accurate is the small specimen? Is that it depends on um, how small is the specimen or how big is the specimen. Small is a relative word. Even smaller is a relative word too. So what we saw in a practical sense, starting from say two inch by two inch specimen uh, to four inch by four inch specimens. Um, again, I will restrain to put a single value to that. Uh, it could be you know, as low as five, five ten percent to 20-25% difference. Again, it depends on how you manufacture specimen, how you assemble the specimens and all this in the test assembly. Uh, so, but you know, for the people who are developing the product, they are not looking for uh, two, 3% performance improvement, okay? They're looking for 10, 15, 20, 50% performance difference. So if they get a rough idea, you know, that what is that product is, I think then they can go to the next stage of product development, okay? So um, uh, th that much I can say at this moment, you know, but, uh, you know, this is something, you know, the standard development is one thing, then, you know, you have to keep, keep continuously work on it, you know? Uh, because more and more people you will be using it, okay? And they will bring feedback to the task group. And as a task group chair, that is the ASTM task group chair. You know, ASTM has got a rigorous process to do that. You know, it's consensus, but at the same time, it's very rigorous too. And it's a live document. You know, you meet every six months to review the standard. Anybody can bring the issues that this is what we observed during the test method and how to incorporate it in the current practice. So um, that process will go on. You know, some of the HTM standard we are working for probably last 30, 40 years, it still get revised every one year, you know, uh, every one year because somebody has pointed out something from their experience, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, it, and it, 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 you know, if the differences could be as high as 15, 20% type thing, that's that's something that, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, if a full-scale mock-up still remains... Uh, uh, kind of necessary because um, you know these these days we're trying to shave uh, very small uh, numbers off you know for instance u values uh, of, of of glass and uh, and to uh, you're typically operating in the area of of five five percent improvements in some case just to get down you know if you're if you're at a point one, you want to, you know, want a point oh eight. Well, you know, this is what you have to do. So uh, it's, it's, you couldn't, you, you have to be, uh, I think, fairly precise on the testing if, uh, if it's going to be accepted for certification purposes, right? Yeah, you are absolutely correct on that. One, you know, insulation industry fights for point uh, five uh, R value, okay, yeah. uh, per inch. They fight for that. So um, uh, we cannot really ignore the fact that they are so 
sensitive about it. And um, and they have the reason for it. I understand it. So we are not saying that this this test uh, practice which we are we are uh, we have uh, just worked on it will replace the full scale. Full scale still remains the uh, the that uh, for the uh, for regulation purpose for uh for product promotion purpose uh, or approval purpose that is the uh, benchmark for it okay uh, but we are showing alternative way for the people who are developing the products you know and then um, another important issue probably you would appreciate it that um, sometime for forensic investigation uh, mm -hmm. we don't want to take a big lump sum from the uh, field okay and uh, if we in that case you know the the small space in absence of anything this gives you a ballpark value okay so otherwise you will not know what the real value is okay so uh, so uh, that could be another way of looking into it. this question also came during the task group meeting that we should also uh, this uh, practice could also help uh, the for forensic investigators. Mm, yeah, for sure. How um, when you're trying to deal with those discrepancies that creep in in the field, um, like like you say, from one day to the next, from one hour to the next, things 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 can change on the building. Uh, would that just be handled by generating a, a number of tests and, and and averaging them over time or something like that? Yeah, what we are trying to do here, see, when you go to the field, okay, the field performance every day will be different okay but is it consistent okay right. so for example wall a is bit is has got higher r value than wall b okay so we have got four walls a b c d they have got a ranking one two three four based on their r value mm -hmm. in different days or climates are we getting the same ranking okay that is the acid test in my opinion, okay? They'll have a different one, okay? But what we saw, yes, on five days in different months, different time of the day, we still got the same ranking. They're not the same R value, but the same ranking, okay? So that's, it's a quantitative, relative quantification, I will say. Relative quantification, they showed the same ranking. Now, are we going to find out from the field measurements what is the R value of that one in a traditional sense? No, we are not targeting that. Right. Our target is decision making. Which wall I try to improve? Okay? We know what we measure in the lab. You know, ASTM already has got a statement saying that all the test methods, what ASTM standard promotes, they actually are not true reflection of the field performance but they are indicative, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, field performance will be always dynamic. We cannot, that's the basic nature of the beast. We cannot change it, okay? But we have to make a decision huh, that which beast do you want to address, okay? So do I retrofit this roof, uh, this roof or that roof, okay? Which one will be my priority? That decision-making can happen using this tool. And it, it can it will identify construction deficiency, maintenance deficiency, everything it will identify. Because that's what it is seeing, how it is actually happening on the field. Now, is there is there a specific um, uh, tool or software that you've developed here, or, or are you just using HOT 2000 or Therm or something like that? No, what we have, the infrared thermography cameras, they have got their own, uh, sorry, infrared thermography, you just take lots of, temperature data points they give mm -hmm, okay yeah. so you have to analyze it in your own way 
Okay. Oh, okay. And most of the infrared thermography, they will convert those data points to and um, this uh, uh, to a temperature data. You know, you can get a file from the software. Okay. And they have got other subsidiary, you know, uh, ancillary tools also, who, which will allow you to process those things. But we have developed. We took those data. And we have developed our own algorithm to do that, okay? Oh. To come up with that index, okay? Uh, it's very user-friendly, and we are trying to say, it, you know, that uh, uh, what we are what is our vision is that we take that data, say you take a picture on the phone, you know, it's like a, nowadays in the iPhone, you can have a dongle which will allow you to uh, do the thermographic measurement, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, so you can take that, picture and it will create a file then you can upload that file mm -hmm. say you have measured four or five walls you can upload those five files and you can click the button for each wall system it will give you an index and they can rank them that this is the five wall this is the rank okay and then you know i'm not saying that everything you know we don't need engineers just take the picture and put that you need a lot of engineering judgment that which picture to upload Okay, like you know, you know, a professional photographer knows where to focus, right? Yeah. So, like an engineer will also know. Only thing it will do is it will empower the energy auditor or building inspector more because now they don't have to do all the drawings, all all these things. They have to go there, take the picture. They will still be using their knowledge of building science. Uh, that which picture to upload? What is the quality of the picture? What is the condition? When to take the pictures? Uh, the thermographic pictures, and uh, then it will save their time and cost. And for the end users, it's a quick and inexpensive uh, decision-making process. And and how easy or hard is it for uh, our listeners to get uh, this uh, this uh, algorithm out of you, uh, Professor? Uh, if they yeah, want, <laughs> I, we are hoping in the next couple of months it is yep. going through the testing uh, development. We are in the final stage of development. We are testing it, you know, to make it user friendly. You need a uh, uh, little bit of time to spend and test to various people. We are in that stage. In a couple of months, we we, we should be able to host it on uh, Ubico website as oh. a trial basis. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Cause there's a, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people out there who are pretty frustrated with uh, yeah. hot 2000 and Therm. And uh, if you've got uh, something better coming along, well, I mean, no, I know they do different things, but it's. It... No, I'll tell you hot 2000 and Therm, they have got their own use. They are yeah. modeling based, mm -hmm. but this one based on field uh, performance measurements, they're actually, they complement each other. They can validate okay. some of the hot thousand or two thousand and thermal measurements. I'll never say that you know you don't use this one. You know, if a professional will know that each tool has got its own merits and use. Okay, fantastic. So yeah, so the idea here, I guess, is um, is rather than you know, it's it's not a matter of it's not a matter of looking at the facade and generating uh, actual numbers of like you say the R values or the U values or, or or any of that sort of thing. It's a matter of it's a matter of establishing baselines, right? And mm -hmm. and then comparing to uh, comparing to what you get uh, over time and across a couple of different, uh, I guess, similar similar buildings. And that's 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 yeah. probably the the approach we need to take. And it's more practical anyways, uh, frankly, yeah. uh, going yeah. forward and, and of more use in the, in the field. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely correct on that. Good, good. I, I was um, I was interested in a comment you made earlier about about the embodied carbon work that you're doing. 
um, and, and, and it's actually of, of special interest because I actually have a, an article going in the magazine in our next issue uh, uh, about that. And, uh, and, and, and the, question we're, the question we're asking is, you know, what, what are evaluations of embodied carbon going to do to the designs that we already have that uh, uh, for energy efficiency, right? And, and, and as you said, you know, it, obviously you want things to be better insulated. Perhaps you're, perhaps you're using uh, triples, uh, you're using triple insulating glass. Um, you know, perhaps you're, uh, you've, you've changed your, uh, you've changed your sashes, you've changed your framing material, um, or, or at least you've, you've tightened them up. You're using more sealant, uh, more gasket, different things like that. In your opinion, Professor, where is the biggest change going to be on 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 fenestration on facades building facades is embodied carbon going to impact something in the way we look at that is it going to change our priorities so that we go yeah we know that that's more insulating or we know that that's more higher performing on the efficiency side but but because of the the carbon impact of making it we're going to have to change can, can you see can you see that coming and where do you see it coming yeah, there are two parts of it, you know, embodied carbon, it comes from the material processing and also where from you source the material and how you transport it, okay? It will give it, you know, embodied carbon will is the future of our focus, you know, for the whole construction industry because operational, we, you know, uh, uh, all the new technologies or new codes or new uh, construction practices, operation energy has reduced significantly over the decades, okay? But uh, we ignored, you know, we initially, you know, embodied energy, the percentage of was low compared to the uh, operational energy. Now, operational energy has come down, so embodied looks high, very high, you know? And <clears throat> I talk with the construction practitioners and some people say, how the building will be operated, you know, there are lots of uncertainty and variability there, you know? how it will be maintained, how will people operate the building. But one thing we know for certain that this is the embodied energy. It's a definite, if you make savings on that, you make the savings on that. No, there is no doubt about it, okay? So that, uh, the, so embodied energy for the particularly any building material you take, you know, uh, where from it's sourced, that contributes to that and how you process it, okay? So, um, you know, glass and any material, we probably have to uh, focus on more locally produced, Okay, and also um, uh, make improvements. You know, as a, a scientist or researchers, you know, we cannot rule out the process of improvement. There is always room for improve, improvement. Okay, so we have to come up with more um, uh, uh, or less embodied energy intensive uh, sourcing and, and manufacturing of the product you know i think these two things i would hope that uh industry and the material scientists you know they all work together to come up with uh some positive development yeah is there anywhere you see where something we've done to become more energy efficient is actually going to come into conflict when we evaluate the embodied carbon of it it's, it's certainly going to happen. I uh, will not hazard guess which products it will be, okay. but it is. <laughs> it, it will definitely happen. Okay. Yeah. And um, we make, you know, one thing, you know, which will be 
not too difficult to do. Uh, maybe it's very difficult from the economic sense, uh, but from scientific and technical purpose, it's not that difficult uh, to focus on locally sourced building materials. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which can be, you know, technologies are there. So it's that doesn't mean we cannot use any material. We have to make uh, locally sourced. And, you know, that whole issue of sustainability has a lot of issue of economic model uh, and human behavior. Hmm. And um, that is something, you know, engineers do it very badly. You know, we, we don't have much control over it, you know. Uh, so, but I think we'll see those changes coming in the uh, in the coming days, you know. Uh, we have to ask ourselves very honestly that um, can we solve all the problem through technologies? No. So engineers have to work, you know, as a, you know, as a member of the society working with the people, policymakers, you know, um, social scientists, and um, we have to all work together to, you know, it, it's a it's a problem for everyone. It's a challenge. Um, I think the one paradigm change is happening. You know, um, if we look at from the starting from the first world war or second world war, you know, industrial revolution. I can say starting that point that we we thought we'll solve all the problems through science and technology. Okay, and we actually manage the things pretty well. But this is a problem which needs everyone to work together. Will science and technology still play a very big role? But we have to work together with uh, policymakers, social scientists, human behavior, and psychologists. You know, uh, it, it, it's a problem. Probably human being in the recorded history didn't face this magnitude of a problem what we are facing nowadays with the climate change. Okay, so I think you know uh, from the building science point of view, um, we are um, one of the largest contributor. Uh, to the uh, embodied carbon or in whichever sense you take energy uh, contributor, greenhouse gas uh, emission, and uh, we have a role to play. And uh, I think, you know, as a community, we are geared up for it. I, when I talk with the young people, they are very motivated. They're working on bio-based materials. This morning I was in a meeting. There are a couple of young professors who are very enthusiastic about um, um, the green building materials and all these things. You know, So my comment was that uh, don't think that you can develop the product in the lab and it will eventually go to the market. So you have to work with the people. Collaboration is probably the key. Yeah. And we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. That green building products is not a new initiative. We Historically, we continuously did it. We didn't put a name on that. So let's look, uh, talk with the people who have got experience, you know, uh, who are working in the industry, academics, you know, policymakers, uh, we have to reach out. More discussion we need. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've seen some, and I know it's, and, and out there it's a big thing. Uh, I, I know there's been some interesting stuff going on with mass timber construction. Um, yeah. and, uh, that's, that's, that, that would be an example of that for sure. Yeah. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out for my, uh, again, for our listeners, if, uh, if, if we're, we're going to, we're going to, in, in, in 30 years, they're going to be saying, well, just put monolithic, just put single pane monolithic on again, uh, because this, making this, making all this glass and making all these triple insulating units are, are it's, it's worse. It's actually works out to be worse. <laughs> but I, 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 I doubt we'll, I doubt we'll get to that point. But, I think, I think I'll tell you one thing. We are smarter than that. Okay, yeah. we will find a solution. Okay, yeah, I, uh, think. I think which, which will have a place for everyone. Okay, yeah. uh, but of course. The key is the scale and limit huh? that uh, we we have to scale our ambition, not ambition, I see, maybe I should say greed, okay? Mm -hmm. That how far we can go, somewhere you have to put some limit. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, thermal brakes. Um, mm -hmm. You're working on that as well. Um, yeah. And, and you know, th th this is a this is a problem that is, has bedeviled uh, building science. I, I think for a very long time, um, and 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 no one ever seems to come to uh, to 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 really a solution that everybody's very happy with. What what, what is it about thermal bridging? That that is that is so difficult to 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 measure and to and to overcome when you're designing your your building envelope. Okay, let me tell you my, my thought process. See, one basic physics is there that the material which has got high structural strength, okay, mm -hmm. they don't have high insulating value. Right. Right. So you need to make the building energy efficient, but you also make it stronger to stand with all the structural load which comes along. Mm -hmm. So there is a two, you know, opposite direction pulling force going on, okay? When you try to make energy, it has to be lightweight. Huh? But lightweight materials are not always, there are always exceptions, but lightweight materials are not commonly available material, not very uh, thermally insulating material, okay? Right. So there are structural properties which are uh, which needs material with high thermal conductivity because you have a high density, okay? Mm -hmm. So mm, that's from philosophical point of view. Practical point of view is that uh, we have to optimize hmm, that how much thermal bridge we can have, okay? Yeah. Uh, so it, it needs to be a discussion between structural engineers and building and block designers, okay? And we probably have to move on to come up with some structures, you know, which has got structural, when you develop structural material, thermal is not a consideration, honestly. Yeah. You talk with the structural, they're looking at the strength, they're looking at the durability, they're looking at the ductility, you know, for earthquake resistant design. But there is no discussion of the uh, heat transfer, okay? So we need to open that discussion, you know. Scientifically, we can measure most of the things, I will not say everything. We can measure how much it is losing, you know, from practical point of view. But I think there is a discussion need to be done between uh, structural engineers and uh, thermal uh, uh, engineers. So if in the structural, when they develop the materials and all these things, if we have the thermal properties, uh, it is a part of product development process, I think we'll have a better solution for that. You know, thermal, there are commercial thermal breaks available. You know, sometimes the complaint I get from the uh, practitioner that is too expensive. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but what we're doing in the lab, we are trying to develop similar kind of product or even better, uh, which you can, don't have to buy as a assembly. You can develop by yourself on the construction site. And uh, so that you can use those things, particularly for the balconies. You know, balconies are in the Western Canada, people have got houses have got balconies and they're a huge, yeah, huge source of heat loss. Right. Yeah. And and I've I've seen some um I've seen some pretty cool balcony breaking technology out of Europe, um, where they have um uh, it, it, it's almost like a joint in the uh in the joist that comes out and holds up the um and and holds up the the concrete like they pointed out that the you know the concrete balconies on a high rise are basically mm -hmm. massive heat fins i mean they're they're yeah. they're, they're terrible right they just they're mm -hmm. the radiators uh, essentially for for sucking the heat out and so mm -hmm. and so the, they they had this system 
I can't remember the name of the company now, but they had this system where there was there was a break, like the, basically the the actual joist itself, the structural member holding the concrete actually actually had a break in it with a different material uh, in there. I, it must have been some kind of plastic. Um, it seem, seems hard to imagine it would be a structurally good, but anyways, whatever, I guess it was okay. And, um, and, uh, and they had that in there, but everybody in the room kind of commented like, what's the cost of that? I mean, that's, you know, that, that, that's gotta, that's gotta become very, very mm -hmm. expensive doing it. Are, are there, are, are there technologies you're excited about that you think are really going to, uh, really going to improve thermal uh, thermal performance either, either on brakes or or just generally on facades that, 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 you know, it's, it's not a single technology it's the design how you design it okay mm -hmm. so it's the design is the issue there you know and the, of course the cost plays you uh, thermal thermal brakes you cannot remove it as long it will be removed one day when you have got lightweight huh? um and uh, uh, the highly strength materials you know, for structural components, which is, um, I don't see it's happening immediately future, but at this moment you have to de uh, depend on the design, cost-effective design. Uh, I think theoretically, you know, you know uh, or in the lab, we know how to make the most efficient thermal brakes, uh, but um, practically the cost and other design issues comes into there. I think that is what I'm trying to do. I've got an industry partner, I'm working with that so that if the things which you are developing and we are measuring, you know, also in the lab, if uh, they can take it to the real life application, you know, they are, as you know, you know, our uh, field, it takes time because it needs a lot of validation. Yeah. It's not because you publish a paper that will be applied. You need to go through various process through that, you know, and, you know, I quite appreciate it the way that the, our construction industry work, it has lots of codes, rules and regulation. And at the end of the day, building has to be safe, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so safety. Sure. So the, the concern about safety, you know, uh, makes the things you know a uh, little slow apparently, but you, we appreciate it that how you put safety as a prime concern for our industry. So if money were no object, and you were going to, and you were going to, you were going to make the as as thermally broken a facade as you possibly could. Um, like, t tell me about some of these fantasy projects you're working on in the lab. I feel like I'm on the verge of a major scoop here. Uh, the, 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 uh, like, like, what would it be like a carbon fiber? Like what, what, what's the, what, what's the, what's the answer to make a really great thermal break without, without having to worry if, you, if you're not worried about the economics. Okay. Let me tell you one thing. One thing I'm working on it. I don't know how feasible it is, but it's still in my very early stage of the world. Mm -hmm. See, climate is changing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, you can say that climate was always variable. Okay. So you value or our value of your wall and roof is a constant value, right? No, you, you have got the same. But if the drama, drastic change in the climate happens, then you have to uh, have dynamic R value or U value of the wall. Okay. Uh -huh. So, yeah. So, you know, if you're highly insulated building, uh, you can get overheating in certain cl climatic condition and operational condition. Yep. So if we can adjust uh, the insulating value, I'm not going to tell you how we are going to do that. You know, people who are <laughs> working on this, they will know that, you know, uh, they are not still yet cost effective, you know, and they are mostly conceptual and numerical based, you know, uh, things. So that is our fant my fantasy process is not available. I will try to develop a system where the insulating value will change 
based on the indoor and outdoor temperature, it will have an algorithm. It will find it out what should be the optimum uh, R value or U value, uh, and it will adjust accordingly. Okay. Cool. So that is probably it's active control. You know, it's not the passive control. It's active control. Um, so that is probably if the money is not the matter. Uh, uh, I will work on that. You know, I'm I'm working theoretically on that, and I have got some idea to take it to the next stage, and that is probably needs uh, half a decade, half a or five five to ten years work. Yeah, I've thought that many times that the surface was really being scratched with the possibilities mm -hmm. for dynamic glazing, um, and yeah. uh, and it's it's mainly used just for color and shading you know, yeah. in, in a very sort of straightforward way mm -hmm. now, but there's got to be energy generation potential there uh, yeah. to some extent. Uh, not that, you know, I, I don't know if you'll ever generate enough energy off of, off of that, but, but there's, there's got to be energy generate, but, but even that aside, there's got to be possibilities for resolving this heat gain, heat loss dynamic, like in here in Canada, it's our, right. It's our huge problem. We've never even been able to make standards that, that, that address that problem really as well mm -hmm. as they should um yeah. and uh you know no no you know er you know the energy rating you know everyone complains about that and and how it's becoming less relevant as people use more air conditioning mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's uh that so so yeah I, i've often thought that the the dynamic some sort of dynamic approach would uh would, would would really benefit there if uh if if we could figure out how to how to have the building actually react to what the changing conditions are there's yeah. a lot of a lot of work to be done there for sure, and it sounds like you're yeah. you're working on it, so that's cool. Yeah, it's still in the drawing board, but uh, that's my plan. In the next five years, probably we'll make some progress on that. Neat, neat. Well, I, I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of people in the glazing industry have got a lot of opportunity ahead of them with uh, yeah. all of these new uh, all of these new technologies we're looking at. Um, so let's go let's go back to. Um, Let's go back to the ASTM, all the way back to the start, I guess, to the ASTM task group, and and tell me, um, um, uh, tell me about this new standard. What is the change uh, that's happened from 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 how the thermal testing was being done before? Um, can, can you can you put that in a nutshell for me, and and then maybe I don't know what your what your future work is going to be. Yeah, um, Patrick, I've got a few minutes. I have to jump to another meeting, so yes, I'll give yep. a brief answer to that. So this new standard, basically what it does is uh, it allows you uh, to develop. Uh, I, at this moment, I will still say it's a draft standard because it is not published yet. Uh, that uh, allows you to measure very small specimens, you know, say two inch by two inch or one and a half inch by half inch specimens and get a um, idea that what the new product is developing, what kind of uh, U-value or R-value this has, okay, which was not possible previously using the standard heat flow meter, okay, you, then you have to go for special uh, heat sensors uh, or heat flow meters developed for that, which is not only time-consuming, it is expensive, so, and also for forensic investigators, sometimes they collect small specimen um, from the field, and they don't know how the product is, what is in the lab, and what, how it has aged over the years, so this method will allow them to do that, you know. So that is something we work new. But, you know, in the ASTM task group, we have got many other initiatives going on at the same time. Probably um, uh, that will be another uh, meeting with you sometime. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Professor Falguni, Mukopadje, thank you so much uh, for coming on and uh, and explaining all of this to us. 
Um, you're uh, you're a man with a great deal of knowledge, and uh, I hope we can uh, I hope we can talk again and uh, and delve into some of these things in the future. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Patrick. It was a pleasure talking with you. Fenestration Conversation is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media. Music